Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Hi, this is Dan Gilbazan, and you're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Jazz here, and I am so digging the GeekCast Radio Network. Club Jumper, commence countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Toycast, oh yes, listen in to the only toy podcast you will ever need. Hello and welcome to an all new generation of Toycast. This is episode 157 and this is a Toy Talk episode. We're going to be discussing some stuff and we're going to get, uh, there's going to be a lot of jadedness around here folks because this episode is no toy for you. I am, of course, TFG or Mike. Joining me, as always, Josh the Floorburger. Mulligatani. What? That's that's one of the soups from the uh, soup oh, Nazi. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Mul- yes. Okay. Crab bisque. <laughs> wild mushroom. Yes, wild mushroom. One of my favorite episodes because I love soup. I love soup of all different kinds. But to see how the characters on Seinfeld would get denied, <laughs> we, we, we can argue as, you know, maybe in the 90s, maybe even today, what, what is kind of the same thing as a toy for an adult? Not an adult toy. That's not really what I'm getting at. But it's really good food. It, it, you get your dopamine release. You get... That mm-hmm. feeling of satisfaction, especially if it's like a restaurant that's hard to get into, or it's a food that's only available a little bit throughout the year, like that's the same feeling of I finally got that toy as a kid or a collector. So I think yeah. we can tie that into some of our experiences. Yes, and also now that you're saying this, my my brain goes to another topic that I want us to do eventually. I don't know if it's going to be us, us, but on the show. I've had this topic since day one, since you helped me bring the show back. Exclusivity exclusions is going to be a different topic, but toy the 
the art and the hate of toy exclusives because they just you, you want to talk about stuff that's just unattainable sometimes those those store target exclusives walmart exclusive insert exclusive whatever here to whatever big box store you know, barnes and noble and books a million and why does a bookstore have toy I, whatever anyway but yeah so no toy for you this is your show so what's your what's your mask thunderhawk story Okay, so obviously, as you mentioned, I'll be talking about the Mask Thunderhawk. So, from what I've been able to piece together as a young lad, with masks starting... 1985. 1985, so I was born in 1984. I don't know how long those toys were in the stores, but towards the end of the 80s and early 90s, you'd find a lot of those toys in liquidator outlet stores. We talked about this a lot on the show. Das and I waxed nostalgically about these outlet stores you would find that just pull in all the leftover stock that couldn't be sold, and they sell them at lower pr- prices, bargain prices. You know, KB is a great example of that. So, anyways, when it comes to mask, I loved it because. Obviously, the vehicle was the primary piece. It was the toy. The figure itself was the accessory for the vehicle, which is such a cool concept. And Kenner always has nailed that since Star Wars. Because Star Wars, as far as I understand, was meant to be a vehicle line that the figures were accessories for. But the weird phenomenon with that is that the figures are now almost the centerpiece, or they are the centerpiece, and the, the vehicles are the luxury item. However, with Mask, what I enjoyed about it was, as a kid working doors. I don't know what it is about cars, but working doors were fascinating to me. A steering wheel that turned, amazing. Give me all of it. Molded pedals, coolest thing in the world, right? So give me a a line like mask that gives me a vehicle that looks like a regular vehicle, functions as a regular vehicle, rolls around, does all the things as a regular vehicle, and then you hit a button and you get essentially a new vehicle. You could say, oh, it's just a transformed version, but looking at some of the ones on my shelf, you have a, a race car that turns into a jet. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. So I loved Mask growing up. Mask was one of my favorite lines, but I only had, I think, three vehicles from it. I had the Gator. Uh, I'm trying to think what else was up there. I had, I had a bunch of the smaller vehicles, but the one that eluded me was the... The key, the the primary car from the show, the iconic car, and that was the Dunderhawk that looked like, I believe, a Camaro or your, uh, I think the Camaro is the closest iteration, the closest vehicle to it. Yeah. So the mask. So before you go on with your story, mask for the, for the action figure for the toy line, the show only lasted two seasons and 1985, 1986, the toy line went from. 85 to 88. Okay. So by 88, 89, that toy line was probably making its way to the, uh, to the outlet stores more than likely. Mm -hmm. Probably out of stores by 91, 92, right? Yeah. So the cool thing about this Chevrolet Camaro, the Z 28 toy is that it looked a lot like a car that I had seen in real life. But also it had gull wings, which were not typical to the Camaro, but they flipped up like the DeLorean in, in Back to yeah. the Future. 
So what I knew a lot of people did is that not only did they use it as the mass vehicle, but they could also duplicate it as the DeLorean, which really didn't have a lot of toys back in the 80s, which was sort of a weird thing. It seemed like a, a given that you should have at least that. So the vehicle is sweet. It's a red Camaro, has all that stuff. So anyways, so that came out according to the Googles. It came out in what year was the release? 1985. 1985 is what I found. So that means that was probably no longer domestically sold by, would you say, 86, 87? Would, would that be a strong assumption? Probably, yeah. yeah. So, so by the time I was actually beyond running around in diapers, so what, 25? No, I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. Three, four, <laughs> three, four years old. Yeah. So okay. All right. All right. All right. So I'm on, so the thing is I'm on Wikipedia, but I am on the list of mask toys and characters Wikipedia page, and it actually had a link, a clickable link to get to the Chevrolet Camaro third generation, which Thunderhawk is based on. That car was produced from '82 to '92, so '85 to '88 for the toy line. And 82 to 92 for the actual car. Okay. So that car was in some shape or form in my mind regardless, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I always wanted it. I asked for it. It was on all my Christmas lists. But I'm asking for it in 89, 1990. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I had no idea of the passage of time and that time mattered in the retail world. Mm-hmm. So because I still had Kenner toys... He, so Kenner was always really awesome about having those little pamphlets in them that were a little catalog, a little cross-sell yep. of everything you could get. So I would have those, and I would see this iconic vehicle from a show that came out when I was one. So I had always been searching for it, going to the toy store, looking for it, asking my parents for it for Christmas, wanting it so badly, and never actually seeing it in person until maybe second or third grade. And when... I think my mom had found us a bunch of mask toys at an outlet store. I thought, being a kid, wow, these are still in the stores. So I would forget about the outlet store, only mm-hmm. about Toys R Us, Walmart, Venture, which was out here at the time, thinking, oh, it's going to be there, and I never found it. So basically, I never got that toy because I had no comprehension of the passage of time. That it was out of the stores by the time I wanted it, and there was no eBay, there was no Facebook Marketplace, and toy resellers weren't really an active thing back then, as far as I know, at least not something my parents would know about in Chicago. So I never got it. And then I remember going over to my friend Robbie's house, and, and Robbie's brother was maybe two or three years older than me, and he had it. And it was buried in their basement under all this junk and i found it and (laughs) you know these were two very fortunate kids who had a lot of great toys and they were very well taken care of by their parents and you could tell that they were just those kids who got everything and so much that they forgot about a lot of the stuff they had okay i would go over there and play with it and it was my favorite thing to play with when i'd go over their house and i even remember the mom saying like oh wow you really love that so I very sweetly asked the brother, because I thought this is just the way the world worked. I was like, well, if you don't want this, can I have it? And <laughs> That's not the way the world works, dude. 
The answer was no. And yes, I was yes. and surprisingly enough, the next time I went over to their house, the car was no nowhere to be found. So he had no obligation to give it to me, and I'm not going to assume that he did. But I had that tendency when I was a kid where if there was an older boy who was maybe friends with one of my brothers, an older older sibling of one of my friends, mm-hmm. for some reason I felt, oh, well, if you're not playing with this anymore, I will take it. Yeah. I will take it off your hands. Yes, that's not how. Why, <laughs> I, why I thought that, I'll never know. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I think at some point we need to come up with a ToyCast Origins episode that is not 42 questions, but it is enough questions. We need to get your mom on here, dude, because damn, what in the hell? <laughs> that's not how. <laughs> so I, I thought of it when she was here. She was visiting a little yeah. over a week ago. And I thought of it, and so <laughs> my microphone, as I told you, I'm basically yes. like mustache to microphone. You, yeah, yeah. You you need to get a better setup. We we need to figure you figure you out a better setup. So, but right. anyway, anyway, if I'm going to have guests, yes, yeah, I need to get yeah, it. yeah. But as of right now, I think it's it's fine. So, yeah. so that's the first one that was completely denied to me because I had no idea of the passage of time and I was probably a spoiled, rotten little child who thought I could ask anybody for their toy and just take it for myself. So that's the first one. Okay. I asked for bread when I wasn't supposed to and I got denied. Yeah. Oh, boy. A toy that was denied to me. I mean, I've kind of already... I mean, the two biggest stories I have are Brian and Jonathan... They wouldn't let me, same thing. Like, they wouldn't let me play with it. They wouldn't even let me barely look at it uh, at times. But ones that, like, got released that I never got or whatever, that didn't really happen with me. I mean, I, I guess I could say with Transformers, because I don't remember having Devastator. I don't remember having Omega Supreme. I remember most of the Transformers I had. I had all the Insecticons. I had... Hot Rod, when he came out, I had Rodimus Prime, I had Optimus, I had Ironhide, I had Ratchet, I had Blaster, and his cassettes, I had what, you know, all of the the Microbot, like, like the Jump Starters and Bumblebee and Cliff Jumper and all that, so, and I had the He-Man stuff, man, like I've told on this show plenty of times, Grayskull and the Good Guys were at my mom's house, that's the biggest part of my story about toys that technically were denied to me were ones I already had that my dad sold because he thought I was too old for toys. Uh, I had all, I had snake mountain and all of the bad guys at my dad's house for masters back in the eighties. And I was born. See, I think that for people to explore, to really, really understand what the eighties were, they needed to be born either 77, 78, 79 or 80. Anyone born maybe 1982, three or later to really understand the passage of time in the eighties. Like you're like, you're saying you're missing out. You don't, you didn't understand by the time that you're talking about all this mask stuff. I was five and six years old and I had all I had. Yeah. I pretty much had all the mask vehicles. I had Rhino. I had, I had, I even had Boulder Hill at my mom's house when I was living with her. So I had a lot of that stuff. So for me, when it comes to like toys that were denied me, it's more like stuff that I wanted for Christmas or wanted for my birthday. And sometimes, you know, if I ask for something for Christmas, 
and my mom was already getting me something that she knew I wanted. She would save that for my birthday, which my birthday is February 9th. So from Christmas to February 9th, it's only a couple of months. So I knew whatever wasn't under the tree at Christmas would, most of it would be as birthday presents in February. Um, no toy for you. I mean, the only thing I can remember, like, actively, like, really, really wanting, and I eventually got it. I threw a temper tantrum in the mall outside of a toy store. I don't think it was KB, but it was whatever. I wanted that 19... I was nine years old. I wanted that 1989 Batmobile. Something fierce. Oh, the... The one that actually could fit a figure. Didn't it have like a lever in it that did something? Yep. And it had the the fake canopy to mimic the shields thing. The pl- Just the plastic. In- oh. oh, my God. Everybody's so worried. All these toy companies are trying to save the environment now. You want to go back to the 80s, you idiots, and, and look at the plastics that were used in toy packaging in the 80s, like in styrofoam and all that stuff. But... I remember that 1989 Batmobile had this just generic cutout, and it looked just like the car. It looked just like what it looked like in the movie, but it was just a black piece of molded plastic that just sat on top of the car. That's how they got the shields for the toy. Shields. Shields open. Which does beg the question, is that the only way you could get the shields with that toy if it was done that cheaply? Like, I listen to a lot of Scott Knightlick's uh, videos. videos about the toy industry and everything and how things have to get costed out. I remember that shell. And to this yeah. day, I still think really clever way to get that out to people so you could have that vehicle with yeah. that shell on it and you can mimic that. It obviously wasn't made to last. It wasn't made to be something that you could modify or really do anything with. Cool concept, but wow, that was the cheapest of cheap plastics that they put over the top of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually just Googling the, uh, the toy so I can see an image of it. Oh, Batman 89 Batmobile. Ah. Yeah, I mean, God, I'm looking at some of these. Oh, man, I'd be like, damn. Like, and I haven't really wanted a lot of the old, like, so from 2005 to 2010, I was doing uh, social work. I was working with kids. I was I was a live-in resident. Kind of, it was like one of those night manager type things. But I could, yeah, I worked there. I slept there. I lived there, blah, 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 blah. And I was getting paid some pretty good money. And from 2005 to 2010 is how I got my old toy collection, which I promptly sold in, sold in 2011 due to finances. But um, back then, I was like, ooh, like I had just found eBay in 2006. And I was like, ooh, let me look up 1984 G1 Optimus Prime. 
a hundred and something dollars, a hundred and something dollars here, there, whatever. Oh, this one isn't complete, 50 bucks, whatever kind of thing. But like, I distinctly remember buying back my childhood because my toys, like, by the time I grew up, grew up in quotes, by the time I aged out of toys, my mom either sold them all or trashed them all or whatever. The only thing she never trashed was Castle Grayskull. And our apartment complex at the time in was after when was the big Maddie Collect? It was 2008 to somewhere in 2012, I think. One of the apartments I was living in had a bug problem. Not my fault. And bugs ended up infestating Castle, my 1981 or two, whenever the hell the original Castle Grayskull came out, the old toy. And I just had to throw it out because there was bugs everywhere and I did not need bugs in my apartment. So that toy lasted 30 years because my mom lugged it around everywhere. Because essentially the classic Castle Grayskull is essentially a briefcase for your action figures because it had a handle on top of it. And, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty solid, which is yeah. one of the best parts about it. And really, for, for me, the only thing I've really seen in the shell of Castle Glory Skull that breaks easily are the hinges. Yep. Most of it, you could throw that thing down the stairs. It'll probably last pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Castle Glory Skull is, is an amazing piece. Yeah, so, so it is. Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, well, I just found the uh, the Batman uh, uh, the Batman Batmobile with. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think we could do a whole separate episode on this, but toys, with, well, like you were saying, with special features. <laughs> the image I found, and this has to be an official image somewhere because it looks like it. It. The special feature for the 1989 Batmobile toy was was that black plastic, you know, cutout. I just sent you the picture in Facebook, but like it says on the picture, special feature Batmobile shields, and it it it, it looks better in that picture than it did when I had it in hand. And I'm trying to find somebody on here that actually has the toy. Like with the shield on the toy, and I, I only see. Oh, here we go. Here's one. Is that the same? Yeah. See, that doesn't look right at all. I mean, it, it it's it's right, but it doesn't look right. I'm gonna send this to you too because I just yeah. So yeah, these are on I, Facebook, but. I just did a Google image search, and there's yeah. all sorts of stuff that came out for that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What'd you send? send I just sent you the. The the oh. pro so and then and then the second one is the one that like yeah that's just a black piece of plastic that fits on top of it it's molded to fit the molding of the vehicle but it's a big black piece of plastic still kind of cool though but very it random is, it is very cool but I don't remember mine looking as good as whomever's this picture I don't know I I googled this picture so I don't know whose picture this is but I mean the car looks great. Even with the car, with the, like having the shields on the car, looks great. I don't remember mine looking that great. I, I think the closest we ever got, and I think I just found a picture of it, was this really cheap remote control Batmobile that figures couldn't fit in, and it was one of those cars that 
uh, could only go backwards or forwards. If it went backwards, it went on a curve so you could turn it. Okay. It couldn't go left or right. It either went straight or backwards with a turn. Right. And it was on a cord. So it wasn't even remote controlled. It was wired control. And that's what we had. And I, I think it's because that Batmobile was really hard to find. I actually wouldn't own a Batmobile until the animated series one. Oh, I love that one. I love the more. I, okay. So you want to talk about toys that. Yes, that though the '89 and the animated series Batmobiles did not disappoint as a kid, but the modern versions of those that like the Hot Toys Batmobile, oh my god! Like oh, it's perfection. Which is that even a toy anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Is that even a toy anymore? I like, think it is. Looking at some of the, the hot, any of the Hot Toys Batmobiles or full-size cars. Mm-hmm. Hot Toys, are they're not 12-inch, right? Or are they 18-inch? I one don't six. know. Oh, so it's a 1-6 one, one scale. Yeah. So for anybody who's listening, that means it's a 12-inch figure because 1 inch to 1 foot when it's at the 1-6 scale. So let's see if we can just get the measurements on this thing from a review. Yikes. I don't remember. Okay, so it's... I'm on the Sideshow website, and obviously this toy has been out for years. Yeah, it's sold out, but the price that they have listed on this is twice what that... We were talking about this off-air, that that new Ghost Rider HasLab bullshit. Yeah. Uh, That was $349 for that, and that's a, you know, six-inch whatever car, whatever the hell it is. This is $629.99, and this, obviously, the the Hot Toys Batmobile came out years ago. So it isn't like it's, you know. The first measurement I saw is that it's 40 pounds. Uh Uh-huh. And costs $130 to ship. Oh, snap. The- but, it, but it's fully in scale, and it's very mm. well detailed. It's very cool, but it's a massive toy. I, so again, I, I, don't need, I don't even know if I can call it a toy. It's, it's just... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, glad I've, I'm glad I found the Sideshow website link, because the, the, the official image I sent you from Google is actually of this Hot Toys. It's not even the original. That's what I I knew those shields looked too goddamn good. On this? That's, that's what I was wondering. I thought maybe it was like a proto shot. Yeah, damn it. Hold on. All right, so this person here goes by the metric system, and they said it was 22.8 centimeters high, 40.6 centimeters wide, and 99 centimeters long. So me not being a metric person, I got to mm-hmm. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Let's move on, shall we? I found the original, and we can compare the original to... Well, technically, that does look the same. It's just the it's just the Hot Toys image that's different. No, that is the same. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's the, okay. Those two things are the same thing. Now, see the one in the second image I just sent you looks like the the the, the shields canopy thing looks worse. But the one in that first image, not the official Hot Toys image, but the other one, it looks better. I don't understand. But yeah, mine kind of looked like the second image I just sent you. It was kind of yeah. like. I don't know that that shield for the original '89 Batmobile. That piece of plastic 
got beat up so much by me. Like, I mean, we didn't care. Like, yeah, it was cool, but we didn't really care. We wanted to play with the car, not the damn shield. I think one of the few times I've actually seen one of those in person, there's no way to keep those in good shape. They're the same. No, no, there's really cheap. Yeah. Halloween decorations. Yeah. When you, like when you go to Target or Walmart or something like that and you see those Halloween, those cheap holiday decorations that are just stacked up and they're that blow mold thing where you just fill the mold with plastic and knock it out and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so let's move on just in the interest of time. Okay. This doesn't have to be a long episode. You know, we can make this short. We could, but when have I ever not dragged things out beyond the, nece- the necessary amount of time? So the next majorly denied toy that I didn't get since I was an adult, and I feel like I still might be missing from some some things from it that I have to double check. So early 90s, one of those extreme shows that had to have five seconds of entertainment value, not entertainment value, education value to it, in order to meet the federal guidelines for cartoons at the time. Captain Planet. That's a great example. (laughs) But that actually had far more educational content, thanks to good old Ted Turner, than what I found in Mighty Max. And (laughs) Mighty Max is actually a very good show. It was one of the first show... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, one of the first shows on Saturday morning or whatever where people and characters died. There's an episode that is very much an homage to the Magnificent Seven where all of these heroes from all, the, all over the world come together. And towards the end of the episode, they are all brutally murdered one by one. And you don't see them get murdered, but they get murdered. What year was that? Do you remember off the top of your head? I would say 94, if I had a guess, 93, 94. Yeah, uh, you need to – I'm going to just immediately correct you before the audience comes after you about brutal deaths when it comes to characters. Optimus Prime, 1986. Megatron shot him and he died. So – in the 90s, to find a show where people died was very uncommon. Yes, I know Optimus Prime got punked out, and then, he <laughs> and then he died again, and then he got punked out again, and then he died again. And you got, to, got, to, got to be a zombie for Halloween one year. <laughs> yes, they couldn't decide what to do with him, and the franchise never recovered. We all know that story. But yeah. in the 90s, it was not common to find a cartoon where somebody where you would have deaths of side characters, unimportant characters, background characters. And that's all because of the trauma from Optimus Prime dying in the nineties. The, the, it says it right there in, in, in the uh, tiny human adventures theme song, you know, we're going to crack the censors. The censors were up in the nineties because of cartoons 
that had deaths in them in the eighties. I mean, well, I, I would I would guess though. So, but let's let's just correct ourselves. Optimus Prime died in the cinematic release. This was not cinematically released. Yeah, but still, it's still part of the cartoon. It's still part of the franchise. It's still a character it is, death. But it, but it it was probably more likely to happen in the cinema than ever on a Saturday morning, twenty two minute toy commercial. Yes, well, they learned their oh. lesson on that supposedly. So, anyways, <laughs> so Mighty Max. As far as I remember, I, I should have done my research a little bit better. Mighty Max started off as a response to the popular Polly Pocket at the time. Okay. So, and I think this was almost in reaction to gas prices going up. So as gas prices go up, or oil prices rather go up, plastic prices also go up. So mm-hmm. a lot of companies at the time said, let's go smaller. Let's bring it down a little bit. Let's have toys be more portable, have these smaller little pieces and make it more affordable, but you get more bang for your buck. So Polly Pocket was all about this tiny little girl running around in these foldable play sets and all these different environments. And I think the company was called Blue Jay. I think it's like a British company that made those. And they decided we're going to go with Mighty Max as the boy response because Clearly, boys and girls can't play with the same toys, so whatever. So, Mighty Max comes out, and it hits the sci-fi and horror themes very hard. In in ways that you don't really see much at all. So, just for just for example, I'm going to pull up some of the playset names. Here's large playsets. Don't, I don't want the large playsets. So while you're pulling that up, I will say that Polly Pocket, 1989 to the present, started out at Bluebird Toys, 89 to 98, and then Mattel took over from 1998 to today. So Mattel has Polly Pocket currently. I don't know who has Mighty Max. That'd be a good thing to find out. That's what I'm doing right now. So just to point out some of the names of the sets. So what was cool is that each of the sets had its own title. It was a little bit like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or whatever, but it was more action-based. So one of the first play sets was Mighty Max Conquers the Palace of Poison, also known as the Temple of Venom. Mighty Max Escapes from Skull Dungeon. Mighty Max Liquidates the Ice Alien. Mighty Max Slays the Doom Dragon. He's like a 12-year-old doing all of this. Let's just remember that. But anyways, so... There was Mighty Max bites Cyber Skull, grips the hand. The, the hand is a decaying hand that you unfold, and it's really gross. But the horror theme was so heavy, even in that they had a side series called Horror Heads. And then there were Monster Heads, Dread Heads, Shrunken Heads. And they were very appropriate for Halloween. They were very appropriate for horror themes. And I got into them Big time. I loved them. I loved collecting the little Mighty Max figures that came in each one of them. I had maybe four or five. I know I definitely had four of them, and I have those on my shelf right now. And I I might have had some of the smaller ones, but they were some of the coolest figures that didn't do anything. It just was a fun little mini playset. They didn't take up a ton of space. You had easy crossovers. 
And then they started releasing other packs that gave you the characters from the cartoon as the cartoon became popular. So for me, I really wanted the what I thought was the biggest and best playset, which as far as I know, I was wrong. There's a there's a better one than this. I'm looking for it right now. But it was Mighty Max Trapped in Skull Mountain, which was one of the most important sets in the show, one of the most important locations. And it was a very large set. I would say it's maybe a quarter of the size of Castle Grayskull, maybe a third of the size. Like, it's pretty big. And it operates just like Castle Grayskull. It opens up, and there's a whole adventure on the inside. And, it, and it's a very unique piece, and there's a lot going on in it. And when you get it, it has seven unique figures and a ton of other accessories and all this other stuff. So I wanted that very badly. I was very excited for it. And I can't remember why I thought I was entitled to getting it. I think it's because I had saved up some money. I think it's because uh, I maybe it was a report card present or something like that. But I was okay. like, it's a lock that I'm going to get it. <laughs> so I get the Toys R Us catalog that has it in there. And I'm like, boom, right there. There's everything I want. This is going to happen. Let's go. So I don't know how it came down to it, but it was going to be my dad who was going to take me uh, to go get it at Toys R Us. That's as far as I remember. It was supposed to be him, his job, his duty to take me. And I was like, all right, this is in the bag. I might have been in fourth or fifth grade. I was excited. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. So my dad was, I think, planning to take me work. Heading out the door, he asked me, what did I want to get? And I showed him in the catalog. And the topic of the conversation became whether or not it was too young of a toy for me to get. And I was shocked. I was like, what do you mean? I can get whatever I want. It's my report card present. This is what I want. Now, whether or not this is being an entitled child or being a mistaken child or maybe just having a, a big gap in communication between me and my dad, he suddenly was just like, no, nope, you're not getting it. Not, not a chance. You're not getting this. You, you're too young for it. I'm like, no, it says on the box, and I can't remember what the age range was it because I can't find a clear picture of the box. But I was within the range of the box. It was a $30 toy. I can see a sticker here for one store, $29.97. It was supposed to be mine i was supposed to be playing with it and i never got it and it just never happened and i'm not sure why i think it's because i ended up getting something else when i went to the store i don't i don't know for sure but whatever changed the reason i never got it it is one of those things that stuck with me for a long time like i always wanted it but the problem with mighty max toys is that you either drop a ton of money to get them complete or you spend a little bit of money and you get them missing every single part in the known world. So the thing was right around that time, my dad was very much in the headspace of you're going to lose all your toys. They're just going to wind up broken in the basement or, you know, behind a couch or blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if that was his go-to excuse for why he wasn't going to get me anything or stop buying me toys. But that was kind of, what happened with everything at that point? You're going to lose it, kind of fall apart. 
So I became determined to never lose my toys in that era. So 93, 94, 95, 96. So I actually took very good care because of my anger and resentment. I took very good care of most of the toys I got from that point on. That's why I still have, and maybe we'll save it for another episode, why I still have a lot of my Power Rangers stuff because I was like, no, you told me I was going to lose it. I am not going to. But that was my no toy for you. Never got it. Finally got it as an adult. It's missing a lot of pieces. I got it from a Goodwill. And it's missing most of the pieces. And I'm staring at it right now. And as soon as we get off, I'm going to go see what's missing from it because it's going to drive me a little crazy. God. So you talked about the Conquers the Temple of Venom playset. Yeah. This thing is nothing like Castle Grayskull. At no, all. Uh, Skull Mountain. <laughs> no, oh. Skull Mountain. Okay, well, the only picture they have here is on the Toyline Wikipedia article is uh, is uh, the Venom thing, because his tongue apparently holds it open, which is weird. No, I'm sending you uh, another okay. wiki page now. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Yes. T- yes. All right. I-, I see that now. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. All right. That'll work. Yeah. I. There wasn't a lot because my. See, the other thing is, and I say this every episode of this podcast and every episode of every podcast I've recorded in the last six months. The eighties was a time where things moved. You had. G.I. Joe in 82, you had He-Man in 83, you had Transformers and Voltron and other things in 84, and those went through the 80s until they ended. Transformers ended in 87. You pick up after Transformers, you pick yourself up off the ground, and you go to Turtles, or you go to this, or you go to that. There was always something new and something interesting with franchises, because franchises were just becoming a thing at that time in modern media, film, animation, television, etc., etc., etc. So you had all these things that transitioned. By the time we get to the 90s, you have the, I don't want to say resurgence, but I'm going to say resurgence of superheroes because you have Batman the Animated Series, you have all the Marvel shows with X-Men and Spider-Man and all that and everything else, but it moved along. It moved us through. And by the time the 90s roll around with 1993 and Power Rangers, we weren't necessarily aging out, but we were growing up into our teen years and we were kind of out of toys at that. You know, we were in middle school and high school and, you know, people, you know, our families, parents and other relatives wanted us to grow up and grow out of these pieces of plastic and, you know, cartoons and whatever. Well, most of us never did. Well, and, and part of that is because our generation of parents, the, we can basically, I, I think I could accurately say boomers, uh, not derogatorily, because I know that's like one of those new terms we say, okay, boomer. Yeah, yeah, but, I know. But it, but it was that boomer generation of you did have your time with toys, you did do those things. And then there was a certain point where, okay, time to move on you need to go start doing other things because that's what they did. I, 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 and I'm not saying that they were wrong for doing that. I'm not saying they were right for doing that. But I know for my dad, at least from his upbringing, for better or for worse, it was, 
okay, now you got to go do the big kid things. You have to go play baseball. You have to go hang out with girls. You have to go get a job. And all those, all those things that were, I think, a lot harder for, you know, I was born in 84. My brothers were 80 and 82, respectively. And it was a very different world for us because those, it was a different world for you, the people that were born after 82 because you were still growing up. You didn't have that luxury of being five or six years old in 1986 and 1987. You were still younger. You were like 86 and 87 for you was like 82 and 83 and 84 for me with my Fisher Price flashlights and play school and, and all that and everything else. So yeah, people, well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, if you think about it, though, a lot of the stuff that was big in the 80s for you, G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man, yeah. being yeah. big three, when I was starting to actively play with toys, so think 87, 88, yeah. those weren't really gone. They maybe weren't as strong, no, but they yeah, weren't they, gone. Yeah, they weren't gone, but like by 87, both cartoon series were gone, I think. I, I know, I know, I know. Transformers ended in '87, and the toy line lasted up until I think late '88, early '89, kind of thing. But I mean, yeah, again, what I said a minute ago about tra- the transition of of thing, you know, for you in '87, watching cartoons or playing with toys, you were probably into turtles, or you were probably into. I'm just going to say, because I know this is off the top of my, you know, DuckTales or Tailspin or something around that time that came out because that was your young age thing to be exposed to. Whereas someone who, like your brothers or like myself, we were exposed to a lot of the earlier 80s things because we were born before you. Well, yeah, and... But I still got that stuff, too, because they were still into it. They were still playing with it. Our house is still filled with... I still have our original G.I. Joe headquarters that my brother got one Christmas. I still have our original Castle Grayskull and Snake Mountain that my brother got for Christmas when they came out. We have a picture somewhere of him having gotten those boxes and unwrapped them and was excited. And... So I still have those things downstairs in the basement because I I adopted them. They became mine. Yeah. So part of my upbringing was I got all the stuff that was big for me and directed towards me at that point, but I also got all the stuff that was before. So I like to think being like maybe a mid-80s kid, 83, 84, 85, we still got a lot of the really cool stuff from the 80s if we had older siblings. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, you did. Absolutely. The thing is, for anyone who is like me, who was an only child, if you were born at any point after, like I said, the early 80s, like, okay, a couple of years ago, there was, and, and, and you see these pop up o- o- often sometimes, oh my God, I ne- like I never saw, like my parents wouldn't let me watch cartoons, I never knew about Jim or he-Man, or, and you see these like YouTube reaction, you used to say, this is about five, six years ago or something. You see these YouTube reaction videos, it might have been longer than that, of these people watching, like, the, it's, the camera's on them, they're not actually showing you obviously the cartoon, but it's on them, and they're watching, and you hear in the background the, oh, truly outrageous, or, oh, transform, whatever the hell it was. 
you know, and you're seeing them react to it because they've never seen it before. And it's like, yeah, I lived through that. I experienced, there's nothing like a firsthand experience for anything. And if you miss out on it and you try to find it later, sometimes you're that person of, oh my God, like I just said, oh my God, this is so cool. Or, oh, that like, think of what's the worst 80s thing you've ever seen? Like cartoon toy wise. Oh, let's just go with toys. Okay. Worst. Like for me, the first thing I think of, the first thing I think of is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Like that was a bad cartoon. In the bad, if it had a toy line, it was probably even worse. It did have a toy line, and I've got some of them. And which I'm sure you're shocked by. No, I have, really. You have Waterworld toys, so you know. Well, the so the Killer Tomato toys, the actual tomatoes themselves, are really they're like squeeze balls. They're like mad balls. They okay, yep. And they work fine. They they do exactly what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to open their mouths and bite something and hold it down. Yeah, I'm looking at the pe- oh god. Yeah, the human figures that came with them were just little PVC figures that didn't move, didn't have articulation, and were relatively boring. But the, the tomatoes were fine. Yeah. The, car- the cartoon, I think, was a eight-episode, ten-episode season. Nobody yeah, cared whatever for it. it was, yeah. You know, and everybody moved on. So yeah. that, that was a bad one. I, I think... I mean, if I were to look at my shelf right now and tell you what is the worst toy I own from the 80s... Ooh... But my, but, my, but my point is, it's not necessarily about you pinpointing that. It's more about people your age or yo- people younger than me at 42 years old. And, you know, you're still, you're born in 84, so you were, you know, you grew up and you have a different lifespan with entertainment and media and toys than I did because you have to find things that already happened. You didn't get to like what you're starting to experience. Like if you were born 84, by the time you were five, six, seven years old, you were experiencing turtles. So yes, you, you got that experience. You were experiencing ducktails, tailspin, dark duck, adventures of the gummy bears. Probably uh, no, no gummy bears, but I got big into aliens and predator. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the things that are coming out, the years that you're growing up, those formative years, like right before you hit first grade, are quintessential. And if you're not born in 81, 82, 80, 80 81, or 82, or before then, you're not – it's it's kind of like you either get it when you get it or you miss out or it's before – like people say to me, like, what what is it? Mystery Science Theater 3000. I've seen clips. Never watched it when I was a kid. What's the other one people always ask me about? Not Beekman's World. Herman's Head? No, I remember Herman's Head. No. What? What? Weirville? No. It's not Tron. It's, um... Laser Tag? No, I knew Laser... Laser Tag was the 90s. Late 80s, early 90s. Uh, there's... Uh oh, D- Dungeons and Dragons. Like okay, it's a th- like I know I knew there was a cartoon for it, but I never got. It. But it's like I just missed that. I was I was too like I didn't see the original Tron movie. I did not see it until a week before Tron Legacy came out in 2010, 2011. 
because I was two fucking years old when the movie came out. Oh, okay. So worst thing from the eighties that I saw as a kid and still have a hard time liking, and this might be <laughs> blasphemy for some people, is Tron. Tron would be what? An, yeah. Tron is classic. Oh, the, yes, it is. It, for me, it was one of the worst things I'd ever seen. See, I think the thing is, we didn't, under, like, people who saw it that weren't our parents or adults or young adults, like, a teenage, like, someone who was 13 to 23 in the 80s that saw that movie, maybe they got it because they were older kind of thing. But for us kids, yeah, it may have looked weird. It may like, what's this? What's that? And there were plenty of other weird things in the 80s that we either didn't like or didn't understand or were before. Like, I know of the Mysterious Cities of Gold. I saw that show. I don't like that show. <laughs> I don't like that cartoon. I know a buddy of mine loves that cartoon, but I just never got into it. So that's my point, is that we all have different experiences and we all either get to experience certain things at certain times or we miss out on them. And that's the thing about no toy for you here on ToyCast is that if we missed out on something or if we were denied something and didn't get it or we never ended up getting it, now as an adult, as long as it's not, you know, too expensive, we can probably find it and find new enjoyment for it. Like, again... One of these things, folks, at some point on another podcast I do, I don't know if we'll actually record this as a podcast, but I do Beyond the Night, which is our Night Rider podcast. And at some point, Josh and I are going to watch season one, episode one, the pilot, uh, uh, um, God, Night of the Phoenix. And you've ne- the only thing you know of Night Rider is the car, David Hasselhoff, and him his drunk experience with a cheeseburger. Like you, you only know the Iron Man part of the story, the end of 2008. Like, come on, everybody sit down. I'm going to have a cheeseburger. Let's go. That's all, you know. So at some point, folks, I'm going to take Josh on a shadowy flight and he is going to actually experience what it was like watching Knight Rider 40 years ago. No, and that's, is that at no matter when we were born between the 70s, 80s, and 90s, if we were born at certain times, we missed out on certain things before we were born, or if we were born, you know what I mean? Like it's it, it, it's a whole thing. Well, yeah, I very much. There's stuff we missed out on, stuff we wish we were part of, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Part of the reason I didn't get a lot of toys, like I said before, is that I had no concept of the passage of time. Yeah. So I always had one foot in previous year's stuff, whether it was because my brothers had it, we got it at a garage sale, we got it at a thrift store, we got it at a liquidator outlet store where it had been sitting for a couple of years. Yeah. Those toys that I was finding in the early 90s at this outlet store until it closed, and I have no idea when it closed. But there's toys that I was finding that by now, the, the by today's standards, super rare, super obscure, super expensive yeah. now. Oh, yeah. And and they were just stacked up to the ceiling and uh, from what I remember about this store. And yeah. there was stuff that I could find there and would find there. And I, I still have one of them. It's uh, uh, Ziv Zoolander from the Bots Master, that 90s hip-hop somewhat yeah. 3D show. 
And I have the big robot from that. Had no idea it was actually an incredibly rare piece at the time to find all in one gift set. And it was maybe 15 bucks at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's stuff like that that had already been discontinued in the other stores that I was always into. So that's why I knew about Food Fighters. That's why I knew about several toy lines that I was into because I got them very late. Right. Yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong with what we're like with what you're saying or with what I'm saying in this podcast, it's all about experiences. Uh, again, I, I reference the tech YouTubers that I watch all the time. Marquez Brownlee, AKA MKBHD. He has a series or he had a series on, on his channel called retro tech where he was too young to, he never experienced a, an original Game Boy before kind of thing. And I think it's cool for people that do that kind of stuff that look back on that and either they like it or they dislike it or they're just, you know, indifferent to it kind of thing. And the same thing with us. Like, I don't, as as a full child of the 80s, from 1980 to 81 when I was one years old, all the way up to 1989 to 1990 when I was nine and ten years old, I don't feel like I missed out on anything of the stuff that I was paying attention to. But there was plenty of other things that I was not paying attention to that others did. Well, and imagine imagine the toy economy of the 80s with the internet today. That's... That's some math I do not even want to try to look at because it'll those numbers will just fry my brain. But think about all those little toy lines, all those lines that had one run that were really mm-hmm. obscure. Or, I, I mean, how many shows can we possibly think about that never got toys, or some that got one line of toys, or the shows that we didn't even know had toys? You didn't even know that Attack of the Killer Tomato had toys. Not I mean, many I'm- people do. Yeah, I mean, I remember it. I just didn't remember if it did or not. I But after looking it up and looking at the toys, I do remember it. Well, Food Fighters didn't have a cartoon, but had toys. If you didn't find it at the store, if you didn't just show up to the store one day looking around, you would not have known it was a thing, nor known how many were out there. Why was it out there? When did you get it? Like most people I know who bought it, Got it at a dollar store. Computer Warriors is another good example. Computer Warriors, I think, had one episode that came in a VHS tape with a special edition of one of the toy lines. Yeah. So I, The only reason why I remember Food Fighters is because I remember the commercials because usually I would see the Food Fighter commercials right alongside the Mad Balls commercials like they would play those back to back. But I never had any interest in the Food Fighters. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which, I can't blame you. (laughs) Like, oh, you mean I can take all the same stuff as my G.I. Joe's, put it on a food body, 
and play with it like that, like it doesn't make sense. It just is so obscure and random and weird and fun. And that's another toy line. And I don't really have a huge story into it, but I was denied it because I got it randomly at like a Dominic's with my grandmother. Yeah. And it wasn't being sold in any other toy line or excuse me, any other toy aisle at any other store. Yeah. So it, it was denied to me because I got it by complete random eighties happenstance. And by that point they were already out of the stores. The same yeah. goes for army ants. Do you remember them? No. Really cool toy line, but not really a TV show. Battle beast. No TV show. I, okay. I take that back. Battle beasts. Was- I remember. I, I had a lot of those, yeah. But not really. They they were in the Transformers universe, but I don't think anybody remembers seeing them on TV. Yeah, no, they were not. If they had a TV show, yeah, I don't remember it. But I remember I, I having the toys. Some, I think they were in some of the Japanese-only episodes of the original Transformers, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, there were so many toy lines that didn't have shows, shows that had toy lines that nobody knew about. So it's 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 fascinating of all the stuff we can find there. And then when I go to Kane County in a couple of weeks, I can try to report back and I'll I'll do a, I'll do a vlog for for Toycast. Or we could just do a Kane County pod, recap podcast like we did last time. Yeah, we, we I don't think we did that this past spring, so we can do another one. No, we can do the one for the fall. Yeah. All right, so let's ask the audience what toys do you feel that you missed out on? What toys are a no toy for you? And you guys can let us know. Like I said before, you can let us know. You can email us, feedback at geekcastradio.com. Or you can tweet at us at TFToyCast on Twitter. I am at TFGU and Mike. He is at Floorburger553. Let us know what toys that you feel that you missed out on or what toys that you felt that you've had to recapture that you didn't have as a kid in the 80s or 90s or earlier, later, whenever kind of thing. Next up on the podcast, I have got Dan from Rock Nerd Radio from Hudson River Radio. He's doing his toy origins, so that's coming up. And for episode 159, uh, it's kind of, you know, we can kind of do a combo. So we can do the Kane County recap for that episode, but I've been I've had this drafted for months now. Toys that we fell into. So last year we did the, the the toys of fall or the toys of summer, and you had said something about doing trap keepers or something for the toys of fall and going back to school and all that. And I don't remember if we actually did that episode. But the toys that we fell into is kind of like not necessarily the best deals, but what are some of the best toys that just kind of we just have? We don't remember where we got them, how we got them, but they're just in our minds or in our collections, or they were at some point or another. Oh my. Yes. I think big when my brain actually works. So I think that's, that's going to do it. Hello. Gotham corner store. Yes. We seem to be down to our last diet. A gentleman is on his way to pick some up. Just look for a black car. No, this black car will be rather difficult to miss. And by the way, the gentleman is usually in quite a rush. Just for the taste of it, Diet Coke. Ah, 
So yeah, folks, that's going to do it for us here on ToyCast. Josh, do you have any closing words before I say the closing slogan? I'm trying to come up with something insightful. I think I'm just going to say that sometimes the most memorable toys, not good, not bad, that this ever happens. Sometimes the most memorable toys are the ones that you never get. And then the story and the path that it takes you to finally get it. Absolutely. Join us next time and we'll be talking more toys here on ToyCast. Peace. Peace.